0: It's my joy to stand before you this morning to share God's word to you. You know, uh, three weeks ago, Pastor Steve called me and asked me if I can preach uh, September 6th. That's today. You know, At first, <laughs> I was a little bit hesitant. Uh, not because I don't want to preach. I really want to preach, but, you know, uh, kind of not uh, very confident sometimes with my English. So, please bear with me. Uh, you know, we've been here seven years. Uh, we moved here in 2013 when my wife, uh, Grace, uh, got a job as a nurse. And uh, she was assigned in Chinle, Arizona. And she worked there as a, ni- a nurse in a small uh, community hospital. And then uh, I was able to pastor a church there, too, in uh uh, that in that small community. So, you know, uh, God brought us here for a greener pasture, you know. It's a greener pasture for us, especially for us who came from uh, third-world countries, uh, working here. Oh, it's a lot different. I mean, nurses earn much bigger income here. So we had a very comfortable life here. Okay? So, uh, but uh, after Four years, you know, something happened. Uh, And then, uh, uh, by the way, I I want to share my testimony before, you know, going to the sermon, okay? It was uh, 2017 when uh, my wife uh, got sick. Uh, She was very healthy, but uh, one day uh, she, she got sick. And uh, we thought it was just a simple fever. So she didn't really mind it. And she did not uh, bother to go to the doctor for checkup. And then we noticed uh, that her fever did not subside for almost three days already. And then uh, that day, uh, she knows she's not feeling very good anymore. So she asked me to drive her to the hospital. And... uh, In the hospital, they did a very good uh, 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 testing, you know, lab work, and then they found out that uh, she had uh, sepsis. Uh, She had infection that uh, spread to, has already spread to some of her vital organs, like kidney. That's why when she was confined there in the hospital, uh, she could not pee anymore, and uh, and it's uh, the 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 lab test shows that uh it was already advanced the infection was advanced so what happened is uh the doctors who happened also to be the doctors whom she worked that she works with in that hospital they decided to fly her here in Albuquerque because the doctor said we cannot handle your case grace your cra- your case is uh critical okay uh, her kidney started to fail and her liver and all other organs. So she was flown and to, to, by the helicopter going here to Albuquerque U- University of New Mexico Hospital. And uh, you know, I never thought that my wife was that sick. So I, I did not even accompany her in the uh, helicopter when she was flown here. Because I said, I'm going to drive. I'm going to bring my car so that, you know, I can drive around the town. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, when I reached UNM, she was already in a coma state, comatose. And when I saw my wife, oh, I really cried. Because uh, before she was flown to here in Albuquerque, she was uh, even, uh, we were talking, we were, you know, making jokes. And then uh, four, year, uh, four hours after that, when I reached uh, UNM, she was already comatose. And then the doctor told me that all her vitals or vital organs had shut down, except for the heart. But the heart was uh, actually sustained by respirator. Without that respirator, I believe she will not make it. So my wife, uh, unconscious, when I reached UNM, and then I was surprised that she was hooked up to, I, I, I remember, there were like 17 tubes uh, hooked up to her body. Uh, so when I saw that, I, that's when I know that my wife is uh, very, very sick. Um, I was so disappointed, really disappointed with God. Why did God allow that to happen? I was really so discouraged. You know, life was great. You know, because we were—I was in the ministry, uh, helping a small pastor there, uh, a church there in Arizona with the Navajo people, and the ministry was doing—you know—it was great. You know, and then why did God allow that to happen? That my, all, all of a sudden everything seems like. It went downhill. Um, I could not uh, imagine why God would allow such a thing to happen <laughs> to to me. So I, I I feel like God has disappointed me. And so this morning, before uh, continuing with our message, uh, with my testimony, uh, I, I, my my attention was brought to this uh, scripture, Second Corinthians, chapter twelve, verses seven to ten. Let me uh, read the scripture to you. Okay, sorry. Uh, Paul says, Because of these great surpassing revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, ministered to me when I was there in the ICU, taking care of my wife. Uh, This is one of the passages that uh, God brought to my mind. You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was a very faithful servant of God, no doubt about that. Uh, Before he became, he was a Christian, he killed Christians, right? Uh, He was the number one persecutor of Christians. But when uh, he met the lord jesus christ you know everything changed he sacrificed his life for the ministry he went around the different regions uh, in uh, jewish uh, countries and even uh, among gentiles to preach god's word so he was a very faithful servant of god yet uh, why why was he suffering why was he suffering doesn't make sense to me, you know? Um, And, you know, while I was studying this passage, God uh, led my uh, attention also to the Old Testament times about Job. You know, the Bible says Job was a man who fears God. Yeah, he was a man who fears God. But one day, uh, Satan asked permission from God if he can test Job. And Satan's accusation was, our job is only faithful to you because uh, you you've given him all that material blessings, that was Satan's accusation, and then Satan challenged God, remove all these blessings, and he will curse you to your face, that's what Satan said to God and God, okay that's what you want, okay I, I will allow you to test him so you know what happened in, in just one day Satan got busy we are familiar with the story of Job, right? Uh, in just one day, uh, he killed children of Job, all his children, while they were partying in their friend's house. Satan sent a tornado and it collapsed the whole house and killed all his children. And then in the same day, uh, Satan killed all his servants and all his properties and animals, you know, by sending. Uh, invading armies from Sabaeans and Galileans and, you know, kill all his, his camels, sheep, cows, everything, in one day. And then on top of that, uh, Satan also touched Job's health. He had sores from head to down to his toes, you know, or to the sole of his feet. See? Wow, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. Oh, uh, and Job, you know, he could not explain why 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 is this happening to me. Does it make sense? And you cannot blame when his wife asked him, are you going to remain your integrity by worshiping and serving God? What was his wife his wife suggested, go curse God and die. Go curse God and die. You know, I I, I you know, we cannot blame the wife for saying that because uh, you know, I think he was in a state of shock. She was in a state of depression. Imagine for just one day, she lost her, all her kids, her children. They lost all her properties and the health, everything, you know, collapse. So I guess she, she, she came to a point that she was really disappointed. And so that's why she uttered those words. She said, curse God and die. And uh, Job said to her, shall we only receive good things from God and not evil or bad? Behold, God give. God take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all that, the Bible says Job did not sin against God. He remained his faith and integrity by trusting God. In fact, one time he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. You see? But obviously the wife did not pass the test. The trial was given as a test whether they're going to uh, trust God if God is going to remove their you know blessings. So God brought my attention to that passage also because you know life here in America is very comfortable. I don't know if you agree with me. <laughs> but it's very comfortable. Where can you find that gasoline it's only 1.8 something per gallon. Whereas in our country, your $100 is not even enough to buy a gallon for gasoline. You see? And while my wife was working as a nurse, you know, we had a very uh, comfortable life here. We went every place we want to, buy stuff we want to. In fact, we were able to buy a house here in Albuquerque. And uh, before uh, she got sick, praise God, we already have a house. That's why when she got sick, we were able to stay here. But uh, our plan was to work there, uh, and then when our kids go to college, that's when we are going to move here to Albuquerque. But God has a different plan. He moved us sooner than we expected. You see? But anyway, uh, here, there are four truths I want to share with you why God allows suffering. Uh, for the Apostle Paul, it's very clear. God gave him the reason why he allowed him to go through that suffering. Number one is, God uses suffering to humble us. Yeah. Uh, We'll go back to the Apostle Paul. Uh, Why did God uh, allow him to be tormented? This is how he said, A thorn in the flesh was given to me, and a messenger of Satan tormented me. You see, Uh, God allowed Satan to torment him. Wow, that's very... uh, it's not good to hear, right? I mean, he's a faithful servant of God. Why would God allow him to be tortured by Satan? Uh, by giving him the thorn of the flesh. And by the way, I checked uh, many commentaries, and uh, so there were so many speculations about this thorn of the flesh. Someone says that uh, the thorn of the flesh is uh, his eye disease, because he mentioned that in Galatians. As some Bible scholar says, oh, it has something to do with this malaria. Or maybe he contracted malaria because uh, he travels, you know, all over. And then someone says, oh, his torn of the flesh is uh, this, the physical sufferings. Uh, like uh, he was in prison. He had uh, experienced countless beatings. And then uh, he, he received from the hands of the Jews 40 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods, he was stoned, three times he was shipwrecked, and then on frequent journeys, dangers from robbers, dangers from his own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false uh, brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. So they believe that was his sword of the flesh, the difficulties he encountered while serving God. But others also said that uh, his uh, thorn of the flesh is the emotional, suffering he experienced. In 2 Corinthians 11:28, he mentioned about this, that apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He was a church planter, a missionary. And, you know, as a pastor, teacher, and then a missionary, uh, he took care of the church. And there's so many uh, concerns among Christians there. So others says that's his thorn of the flesh. And others says, oh, it's about the persecution he experienced from false teachers, Judaizers, that he mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. Those uh, Judaizers, you know, they badmouth Paul, they insult him, they talk evil about him. So they said, oh, that's, that's uh, the, the thorn of the flesh. And, uh, and others also said the thorn of the flesh are the many followers who deserted him. He mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phigilos and Hermogenes. You see, he mentioned two people whom he loved so much, he invested his life and then uh, th- uh, helped these people to grow. Yet, you know what they did? They deserted him. So, so some scholars said, oh, these are the thorn of the flesh. People deserted him. And you know, there's no greater pain than that pain caused by people whom you love so much, you invested yourself so much, and in return, they turn their backs on you, they deserted you, or they betray you. So that's the turn of the flesh according to some scholar. And this is what Paul said, If I love you more, am I to be loveless? Is this what I get for loving you? If I'm gladly spending my life and being expended for your souls, and I love you more, do I get loveless? That's how they reciprocated his love. He loved them so much, but they you know, hated him, insulted him, and uh, they deserted him. So those are the many speculations about the torn of the flesh. So I, I really don't know. Personally, I don't know what, uh, what are those uh, torn of the flesh, but it's very clear that uh, the torn of the flesh was used by God what to keep him from insulting himself you know why because uh, if you read verses 1 uh, of chapter 12 uh, paul had a lot of privileges that jesus gave him like he was able to, well, to go to heaven yeah he had a trip to heaven and no apostles were able to have that kind of privilege and then when he was in uh uh, somewhere in the desert in Saudi Arabia, you know, Jesus appeared to him many times and then gave him more revelation about, you know, things to come, about heaven and all this. So he had all these uh, privileges or edges, so he's far above compared to other apostles or servants of God. So he has all the rights to boast about these achievements or accomplishments or, you know, what you call that, the experiences. So, so, to keep him from exalting himself, that's why he was given the thorn of the flesh. He was given the thorn of the flesh. Um, You know, you might ask, uh, so God used trials to make us humble? Yeah, he does. God uses trials to make us humble. And you know, humility is the number one virtue for Christians. Without humility, you know, we will never acknowledge that we are sinners, and that we need God. Without humility, we will never call upon God. You see? So m- humility is the number one uh, virtue for a Christian. Without humility, we will not be able to relate well with one another. We will be proud, you know? And you know, the greatest example of humility is Jesus Christ. Though he was God according to P- uh, Paul in Philippians chapter 2, but he did not thought it equality to be equal with God. Instead, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the wills of the father how by being a servant and the greatest act of humility was when he gave his life to die for us at the cross you see so jesus is the greatest example of humility he came to serve and not to be served and i tell you without humility we will never be able to serve one another here in this church or everywhere we go we would be proud and, you know, well, and we would be in trouble if we, are, we don't have humility. When we hear somebody speak evil against us, we would, you know, right away respond by lashing out or curse them also, you see? So without humility, you know, Christianity would mean nothing. That's why to make, him, to make Paul humble, to make him more dependent on God, you know, God has to give him this thorn of the flesh. Some sort of, to make him uh, like a, a sickness or whatever, difficult situation, so that uh, he would learn humility. So that's that's the first uh, reason why uh, God used suffering. So how to approach the deepest disappointments of life? I, I'm sure all of us have experienced disappointments, right? Uh, may I know, have you ever been disappointed? You feel like God disappointed you? Yeah. Good. Those of you who did not raise your hands, I think you're, you're lying. <laughs> you are, because all of us have disappointments, right? Me, I got disappointed. <laughs> you know, I, I have so many questions. I got no answers from God. But, you know, God uses these sufferings to make us humble, see? And the other, the other reason is uh, why, why God uses suffering to draw us closer to himself. Concerning this, I implore the Lord three times that it might leave me. He asked the Lord, if possible, Lord, please remove this thorn of the flesh. This, you know, hardship, sufferings, and all this. But, you know, God says no. Yeah. And here, what is Paul doing here? He impl- is imploring God. He's asking God. He is asking three times. He asked God many times. So, what we see here is, Paul is praying okay is uh god is using this suffering to make him prayerful to make him you know closer to god you know and and that's the point you know why god sends suffering trials difficulties hardship in your life to make you uh come to him to make you you know more dependent on him he hates when we're proud so he wants us to acknowledge you know our inability And, you know, that's because when we're we're so full of ourselves, God cannot manifest his grace, his power, and he can never use us. So that's why we need to be humbled like Paul. So here, God uses suffering to draw us closer to Him himself. Let me go back to my testimony. Um, uh, When my wife was in the ICU, you know, there was nothing I can do. Uh, every day, the doctor would come and tell me, "Your your wife is not getting better. Her s- s- vitals is going down. You know, it's it's very bad. So what what else can I do except to stay there, you know, watch and then pray, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and read my Bible. Uh, it was the time that I would say that I really was praying very very fervently. Okay, when when I was taking care of my wife there at the ICU, uh, it was very frustrating. And what I did is uh, I needed prayer support, so I, I sent text brigade to my friends, you know, back in the Philippines, also here in uh, America, the church in uh, reservation. Uh, I, I I texted them uh, letting them know that I need prayer, you know. Um, for me and for the healing of my wife. And yeah, uh, every day, uh, as the doctor comes to appraise me of what's going on with my wife, um, I have to also inform my friends about what's going on so they can pray. And, you know, I receive a lot of text messages that telling me, I've been praying for you. We have been praying for you. And uh, back in the Philippines, my wife's sister, you know, uh, she hosted a prayer meeting in their house, and a lot of our friends and relatives came in that prayer meeting, praying for her. And then our church back there, they they showed us also pictures where they are praying. You see, so in, 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 in a crisis like that, God draws us to come to Him to pray. Yeah, uh, I tell you, uh, I'm I'm so thankful for for the support they they that those uh, brothers uh, gave us. And by the way, when we start coming here to this church, Pastor Danny, Pastor Steve came to our house also and to pray for my wife. You know, uh, but it, got, it was a, a very slow, slow process. Uh, you know, my wife stayed for three months in the ICU and then another three months in rehab, rehabilitation. So within that three period, oh man, it was like a roller coaster, you know, uh every time the doctor would come in i felt so nervous you know he would tell me about the situation this is a hopeless case you know i have, you know i feel helpless your your wife is not getting better you know her kidney is down and she has to do uh, dialysis 24/7 and the doctor said her liver is also bad she need, she might need a liver transplant for her to survive and then uh Every day, you know, on top of that, she also contracted uh, MRSA while she was in ICU. She also contracted uh, sodomonas. I'm glad there was no COVID that time. If there was COVID, (laughs) she might got that too, you know. All the infection there in the ICU. You know, it was very, that time, uh, I felt so down, you know, and very discouraged. But God sustained me because of the prayer of you know, man, uh, my fellow Christians. So, so here another another reason why God uses uh, suffering so that He can display His grace to us. If he says in verse nine, and He has said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you." You see, God wants to display His grace to us in times of crisis. And uh, what is grace? It's uh, used 155 times in the New Testament. The word grace language is charis. It basically means a favor bestowed on a person who didn't earn it or deserve it. It is a kindness that is unmerited. You see, uh, my first daughter is charis, and she's named after that, charis. See, my wife is grace also. And then my other daughter, second daughter, Zoe, her second name is Grace, Zoe Grace. See, all of them, I tried to name them Grace because, you know, I live by the grace of God. See, and I'm so doubly blessed because of God's grace. So grace is not just a concept related to salvation. It is essential ingredient to our sanctification. It is the power of God given to us to empower us to obey him and to persevere faithfully till he comes yeah that's grace you know it's not just something it's not a concept it is a divine power that god gives you in times of distress calamities hardship oh god's grace is abundant to sustain you that's why uh e- grace is always associated with superlatives in ephesians 1 7 chapter 2 7 paul described it as a surpassing riches of his grace in Romans chapter 5 verse 17 it says God's abundant provision of grace. In James 4 it says more grace. In 1 Peter 4:10 it says manifold grace of God. You see, that grace every time it's mentioned, it's always mentioned in a superlative. You see, as if it's not enough. It's not just grace, but it's manifold grace. It's abundant grace. It's surpassing grace. You see, so whenever you, you encounter difficulties in your life. Ask for God's grace. He will give you the grace to go on to so that you will not fall. You will not, you will not lose your faith. And that's exactly what God did to us in that difficult time of our life. It was a, a manifestation of God's abundant grace. So that's why um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 listen to how Paul speaks of grace. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency. In everything you may have abundance for every good deed. And then Hebrews 4:16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's throne is called the throne of grace. Okay? Why? Because when we come to his presence, we can expect more grace, more grace. He will bestow upon us. In the Old, uh, old Testament times, our... In the old times, you know, when you come before the presence of a king and then you said something, you know, you might be killed by the king in his presence. But in our, before our king of kings, when we come to him, it's not a throne of fear, you know, or, you know, it's a throne of grace. You can come to his presence and ask for grace. So I encourage you, you know, whatever situations you are facing today, God's grace is sufficient for your needs and your problems, you know. And that's what sustain us. That's why looking back, uh, I, I would say if it's only within my capacity, I could have uh, cursed God, you know. And, and you know, we hear people today, even in this COVID time, many people commit suicide. <laughs> you know, but if they come to know this grace of God, I don't think they will do that. You see? So God's grace is abundant. And, you know, uh, Grace, as I've said, is unexpected blessings, many blessings, undeserved blessings. I got a lot of undeserved blessings when my wife was in the ICU. Uh, like uh, cards we, that I received. We received thousands of cards uh, telling us, we've been praying for you, uh, be strong. I consider that as an act of God's grace, You know, using a lot of people to encourage us. And then uh, unexpected blessing. You know, um, the company where my wife is connected, they told us that you know, uh, grace, we will give grace disability, uh, what you call that, like a benefit for her, for the because she cannot go back to work. Yeah, you know, it's a big help for us financially. Uh, we never expect of that blessing. You know, if without that uh, ben, uh, disability funds coming every month, I don't think we'll be able to maintain our house here. Because we bought a house and it's at 30 years mortgage. How can we be able to pay with that? You see, God is faithful. Amazing grace indeed. He showed amazing, that His grace is really abundant. You know, He allows you to go through difficulties, but you know, He will sustain you by His grace. And then, lastly, God uses suffering to perfect His power in us. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So uh, Paul says he knew that uh, suffering is being used by God to, to teach him humility, to draw him closer to God, and that, so that God will, you know, will bestow more grace upon him. So therefore he said, I, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Again, these weaknesses... It's not about his weakness, you know, for uh, like, a, like somebody has a weakness for, uh, for food, you know, weakness for, you know, loss of something. No, it's not. That's wickedness. But the weakness that Paul is talking here is the weakness that, you know, the hardship, the trials that he encounters in, in life. And when he is most weak, God's strength is more, is made perfect. So God wants to display his power through us. That's why He allowed us to go through hardship, difficulties, so that uh, we would uh, come to a point where we say, "Lord, there's nothing I can do. So take, take full control. Just like what He did to me when I was in, in the hospital, watching, taking care of my wife. She was in coma state. Uh, I, I have there was nothing I can do. You know, she there was nothing I could do. I'm not even a doctor." You know, there's nothing I can do. So I let God be God. I said, okay, God, perform power. Perform your power. Miracle. And, you know, after three months in the ICU, that's when God started, you know, to answer our prayer in the right direction. Uh, uh, you know, there was uh, progress in her. starting to, to get better. So, but then it took another three months for her to fully recover but the good thing is she made it, right? Amen. Praise God. And to me, it was a miracle because the doctor would uh, would, would tell me her kidney will not uh, re- get healed. But then after three months, her kidney started to kick back again. So instead of 24-7 dialysis, she only needed three times a week. Then after that, you know, her kidney... Get better, and then finally she doesn't need dialysis. Same with her liver, you know. Uh, You see, God did miracle. Yeah, praise God. It was a miracle. How how else can you explain that? Because that science and doctor says she she's a hopeless case. I mean, you know, after two weeks when she was in the ICU, she coded. Uh, It was four o'clock in the morning. I got awakened. Uh, because the nurse screamed the nurse that took care of her she, she was there for, you know, for regular visit and then I mean she, she was there to check up Grace's vitals and then all of a sudden she screamed calling my wife's name, Grace, Grace, Grace trying to wake her up and then uh, I just fell asleep there uh, and then I, I got awakened because of that you know, scream from that nurse and said what happened look her vitals going down so I thought that was it. I thought. And then she pressed the button, uh, telling she coded. And then in, in, in less than a minute, many doctors went inside the room. And I had to, to leave the room because I cannot uh, uh, stand what they're doing to my wife. But I think they just gave her one injection. And then, <laughs> I don't know what kind of injection is that. And then all of a sudden, her... Uh, BP and vitals went back again. (laughs) You see, it was a miracle. I thought that was it, you know. But I I know, God knows that it's not time for her yet and I'm not ready to face that. But I believe it's a miracle. God did show this power because of the prayers of the people behind us, praying for us. You see, so God is God. Let him be God. Okay, so in, in times like that, you will be amazed how God will work Things out, and you will be surprised the many miracles he will do to you. Uh, what I'm presently working as a chaplain, by the way, in a homeless shelter, and and my my current job, you know, I have to trust God because they they let me work with the uh, people who are been you know into drugs for a long time. I I have we have there people who have been 21 years, 15 years in drugs and then i've never worked with drug addicts and alcoholics but as a chaplain in that homeless shelter you know they gave me that responsibility that within nine months you know your goal is let these people you know experience true recovery okay and i believe it's a it's a god thing i cannot do that with my own ability and skills no Uh, that's why i have to pray always and ask god for intervention and praise God, I've seen a lot of uh, men being transformed by God through the daily Bible study. I do Bible study with them every day for two hours. <laughs> and it's a good uh, uh, place for me you know, to exercise and you know, advance my skills because I really want to preach and teach God's word. That's why I need more training. And by the way, I, I'm thankful to the church because of uh, our church here. I got that job. One day, Pastor Steve emailed me. That telling me that a team from our church composed of the golden ladies. You know, they're all three M's. Martha, uh, who is it? Uh, Margaret, and then Marjorie yeah, and, and, and her husband. They go to the shelter every Monday to do Bible study. And then one day I got an email from pastor. They said that the team is looking for somebody to help them with the Bible study. And I felt, you know, God has called me to, to help the team. And then, you know, uh, I believe uh, I started uh, joining the team back in May last year. And then, you know, early 2020, January, I got a call from the CEO of the company and asking me, are, are you interested to work as a chaplain here? <laughs> That's, yeah. So it was a, a blessing. See, I never thought that uh, my temporary uh, volunteer Bible study leader would turn into something permanent. So until the present, I'm working as a chaplain there. So I thank God, you know, for how God showed his goodness to us. And prior to that, I had worked a lot of jobs here. <laughs> I worked primarily as a caregiver. And even as a caregiver, I, I had the chance to share God's word and, you know, pray for my uh, clients. I also worked with the Boston Market with their, you know, delivery and then the kitchen crew, because I love to, to, you know, I love to cook, you know. And then I also work so many adjabs jobs here while. But eventually, God brought me back to the ministry because my heart is to really preach and teach. And I've been a pastor for 17 years in the Philippines. And, and I think it's about time God is telling me to go back to the ministry. And and so I'm thankful to this church, you know, for the love and support you gave us to my family. Uh, it was a blessing when we first when we started to come to this church, Pastor Steve was doing a series in First Peter, and, and the topic was about suffering. He said uh, something like, don't take it strange when you face trials of many kinds or, to, uh, or this hardship, you know, because the early Christians, they thought it was strange. As you know, we live in this uh, fallen world, so don't, don't be surprised if you, fall, uh, you face a lot of problems. Yeah. If Adam and Eve did not sin, yeah, we would probably be living in a very comfortable life. So I remember that's what the pastor said. And so we started coming here and then he said, we will stay there because uh, we like the preaching of pastor. (laughs) We learn a lot. And then he also did a series about trials in James. So I have just so many blessings to thank thank God for. So in closing, every weakness you have is an opportunity. Tea for god to show his strength in your life so i'm sorry you know i i think i exceed he, he told me not to preach more than 35 minutes <laughs> i'm sorry about that so but i pray that our test my testimony has, has blessed you okay so let let, let me close in prayer